<laughs> hey, kia ora tātou. Blessings whānau. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Blessings all the way from Tairawhiti, New Zealand. My name is Ken Modi Welcome to this teaching series that I'm doing on the two covenants God gave to Israel. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, last week's video. Uh, in that video, I presented a handful of foundations that are really important to understanding the covenants of God, to understanding the two covenants God gave to Israel. Uh, just briefly, one of the foundations was that the covenant of law, the Ten Commandments, was only given to Israel. Another foundation, when God gave the Ten Commandments to Israel, that covenant of law was given with an expiry date. And of course, there's a few other foundations I've put in the first video I did last week. It's really important for you to have a look at those video, uh, those foundations. Have a look at the first video uh, to help you, uh, because without these foundations, uh, there's a lot of information that um, yeah, you won't understand. You won't understand. Just trust me for now. I've got all the scriptures in the previous uh, video establishing these biblical foundations, and every carpenter knows. When you're going to build something, specifically a house, how important are the foundations? Really important. A good carpenter doesn't build on uh, old rotten foundations. A good carpenter doesn't build on crooked foundations because the, the strength, the, the trueness of the foundations really determines the height and strength of the building you're making. Amen. So, um, yes, the last video was really good. Uh, really excited about getting this teaching series um, started. Uh, simply because if I asked uh, 10 random believers, 10 random people, Christian or non-Christian, do you understand the difference between the two covenants God gave to Israel? And most people have said to me, I don't understand what you're talking about. So, hey, aha. So, if this is new for you, um, the two covenants God gave to Israel, I want to encourage you, go and watch the video I did last week. And I basically gave an introduction with some foundational concepts that will really help you uh, understand this topic. Because it's my intention when doing this teaching series on the two covenants, is to unwrap the two covenants um, from a foundation level and then gradually build upon it. You know, in a similar way of, you know, when you go for a swim, we start uh, wading around in the, in the shallows until eventually we've got more confidence, um, then we're able to start moving out into the deep. Amen? Okay. So, um, before I get started on, on tonight's lesson, uh, I thought I'd just do a bit of a backstory on the two covenants God gave to Israel. And I'm talking about my own understanding, my own journey into discovering these two covenants. So, you may be asking a question, 
Why teach about the two covenants God gave to Israel? Well, the fact is, if you don't understand the difference between these two covenants, you will naturally mix them together and present another gospel, Galatians 1, verses 6 to 8. And we definitely don't want to create another gospel. We're basically mixing the laws of Moses with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and really, it just creates confusion. Uh, for example, Isaiah 59, verse 2, the old covenant teaches that sin, your sin, separates you from God. And yet when we go to the new covenant, Romans 8.38 says that there's nothing can separate you from God. So, so if you look at it from someone new coming to the scriptures, someone new coming into, into the knowledge of the Bible, uh, you've got two opposing verses appearing to contradict one another. Well, we know God's word doesn't contradict itself. It's basically understanding that the Bible, the contents of the Bible, according to 2 Timothy 3.16, is inspired by God, written by men, but inspired by God. In fact, Jesus called the Old Testament, which was the Bible in his day, Jesus called the Bible uh, truth. He said, he said in his prayer to his Father, thy word is truth. So Jesus called the scriptures truth. However, we need to understand that before the cross, we have past truth, which is the old covenant writings. And after the cross, we have present truth, which is what we call new covenant writings. Basically, the first half of the Bible and the second half of the Bible. The first covenant and the second covenant. What separated the two covenants? The cross of Jesus Christ. So, so finally, um, I've seen it enough times that when you don't understand the difference, and, and in fact, that's how I started my learning journey the same way. I didn't understand the difference, so I just, I mixed everything, you know, and um, what a revelation when our eyes are open to the fact that the Bible is configured on two covenants. And when you don't understand this, you just think, well, I'm just, I'm just reading and believing Genesis to Revelation because it's all God's word. Yes, it's all God's word. However, the truth of God's word is divided into past truth, it's before the cross, and present truth, which is after the cross. Okay, let's continue where I, where I left off last week. So my intention in explaining the two covenants, what's the difference between the two covenants? is to uh, look at purpose, origin, and history of both covenants. Because when you clearly see the two covenants, it, uh, the difference between the two covenants, it becomes really obvious that we have nothing to do with the old covenant. And according to Romans uh, 6.14, we are not under law, which is the first covenant given to Israel. But we are under grace. The Apostle John said it this way. John 1.17 That the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Note, he puts grace and truth together. In other words, there's no grace without truth, and there's no truth 
without grace. So let's follow that roadmap of purpose, origin, and history, starting with the old covenant or the covenant of law that God made with Israel. So <clears throat> purpose. I've got some scriptures here. So if you've got a Bible, you can pull it out. We're going to look at um, Galatians chapter 3 and begin from verse 19. It goes on to say, it was added because of transgression till the seed should come to whom the promise was made and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now, before we go on, there's a couple of important words in that verse I'm going to highlight. And the verse begins by saying, Wherefore then serves the law? What was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions. Now, this is King James language. And if you're not familiar with King James language, when you're reading this Bible translation, uh, you may need a dictionary to interpret the Bible. Okay, so I want to just help you there. It was added because of transgressions. That word added is a really important word. That word added shows us that the covenant of law was not God's plan A for Israel. It was not God's um, first intention. It was not God's best intention, giving Israel the covenant of law. And when we look at other Bible verses, it all collaborates and uh, establishes this fact. But before we go there, let me talk about that word added. You see, when you go to the supermarket, um, you go and fill up your basket and you go back to the checkout counter. Have you noticed all those little goodies at the checkout counter? They're all, they're all purposely placed there to entice you to spend more money. Okay? So the supermarket can... Um, 
make an extra sale before you exit the supermarket. Now, that strategy of putting um, small, uh, desirable products at the checkout, that strategy is called the add-on. It's at the end of the sales process and it's called add-on, okay? Because the supermarket knew you didn't stop at the supermarket, wait in a long line, uh, spend a long time walking around the supermarket. The supermarket knows you didn't stop at the supermarket just to pick up a small bar of chocolate. They know that, okay? But like I said, their intention is to entice you to spend more money so they can make um, a, another sale before you exit the supermarket. So what I'm saying is that part of the sales process, having all those goodies at the checkout counter, is called add-on, add-ons, okay? And the same way that word is used is the same concept applied here in Galatians 3.19. What was the purpose of the law? It was added. It was not God's first intention. It was something that was added, okay? It was added because of transgressions. Now, the word transgression simply means law-breaking. Law breaking. So I'll read that again. So it was added because of transgression. Now you might be saying, what does that mean? Okay, look at it this way. Transgression means law breaking. The law was added to manage the law breaking. So in other words, the law was a management sin for the law-breaking nature of Israel, okay? Till the seed should come. Here's another word to um, highlight, is the word till or until. Why is it an important word? Because by the Holy Ghost putting until the seed should come, the Holy Spirit has indicated an expiry date until signifies or identifies an expiry date. I'm going to be at work until 5 p.m. What's going to happen at 5 p.m.? I'm no longer going to be at work until identifies an expiry date. Let me read that again. What was the purpose of the law? Wherefore then serves the law? It was added because of transgression to manage as a management system for the sin nature of Israel, has that expiry date until the seed should come. The seed is a reference to Christ. Okay? Until the seed should come. And specifically, it's a reference to Jesus dying on the cross. Until the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Okay? One more time, wherefore then serves the law? It was added. Wasn't God's best intention. It was an add-on. It was added because of transgressions, a management system to manage the sin of Israel until expiry date, until the seed should come, until the cross. Amen. And that's why, and we know that's what's happened. That's what happened because Romans 10.4 says Christ is the end of the law. John 1.17 says Moses 
gave the law. Moses brought the law. The law came by Moses. Didn't come before Moses. The scripture says it came by Moses. And then Romans 10.4 tells us the law ended on the cross. Christ was the end of the law. Amen. Okay, now go on to the next verse, verse 20. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, then verily righteousness should have been by the law. Verse 22, but the scripture has concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Amen. Verse 23, but before faith came, remember, faith is a reference to Christ's coming or a reference, like I've said, to the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection. Look what verse 23 says. But before faith came, before the cross, we were kept under the law. Who was kept under the law? The law was only given to Israel. Deuteronomy uh, chapter 5, verses 1 to 3. The law was only given to Israel. Not the Gentiles. In fact, it says that clearly in Ephesians um, 2.14. That the Gentiles had nothing to do with the promises, the covenants, or the law. Nothing whatsoever. Aliens. Also, the law wasn't given to the church. The law was only given to Israel. So whenever the scripture, when Paul uses the word we, Paul is making a reference, Paul being part Jew, Paul is making a reference to Israel. Okay? But before faith came, before the cross, we, Israel, were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Once again, referring to Christ. Now, there's a couple of strong words in there I want you to make note of. But before faith came, before the cross, we, can only refer to Israel, were kept under the law. Now, other translations say, kept captive to the law, kept imprisoned by the law. And the reason for that strong language is, like I mentioned in the beginning, the law was given for as a management system. Or like the scripture says here, the law imprisoned Israel. The law held Israel captive. And of course, that imprisonment and captivity was upon sin. Because once sin showed its head, well, punishment came immediately, uh, even death. And so that's how the, the law, this management system called the law, managed to prevent sin from growing helter-scouter out of control. How many, how many nations, great nations, have disappeared off the face of the planet because of the uncontrollable um, explosion of sin in the nation? Okay? The law was given to preserve Israel. That management system was in place to preserve Israel, to keep Israel alive, to uh, minister to all Israel's needs in order to keep her alive. Why did, why did the law 
uh, intentionally set out to preserve and keep Israel because within the loins of that nation was the seed and DNA, DNA of Christ. The Lord preserved Israel until Christ was born, until Christ came, born, uh, died, buried, and rose again. That was the purpose of the law. Okay, so where are we? But the scripture has concluded all under sin. We read that, verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up. It's like the law just imprisoned them. They couldn't do what they wanted to do. You cross the line, there's like no coming back, death. Punishment, gradually death. And so that's how the law uh, imprisoned, held Israel captive. Shut up into the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Verse 24. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster. And so the scripture is giving this idea of, a, of the law. I, I said um, management system. It's, that's not in the Bible. It's just one way of looking at it. The law is using the word schoolmaster. Okay. And um, to bring us to Christ. Once again, who had the law, not the church? Israel. The law was given to bring Israel to Christ. Remember, we're referring before faith came, before the cross. He's talking about before the cross. The law was a schoolmaster, and a, and a schoolmaster bringing Israel to Christ um, speaks of guiding Israel. Speaks of instruction. It's a schoolmaster. Instruction and teaching. Bringing understanding. But also bringing discipline. Okay? As a schoolmaster would do. Schoolmaster has that leadership and responsibility to do whatever's necessary to bring the children from point A to point B. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Verse 25, but after that faith has come, after Christ came, died, buried, and rose from the dead, after that faith has come, we, referring to Israel, are no longer under a schoolmaster. When Israel placed their faith in Christ, Israel was no longer under a schoolmaster or under the law. Verse 26, for you are all the children of God, both Jew and Gentile, who place their faith in Christ. For you are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Okay, goodness. I felt like we just got started and now half an hour is nearly already up. Um, so what should we do in this last Five minutes. Um, I think we'll just have a, we'll have a heart to heart. Eh? Spend the last five minutes just having a heart to heart. Okay. Thank you, Lord. So, um, <clears throat> the beginning of that chapter we just read, it's written down there. Um, who has bewitched you, O foolish Galatians? Who has bewitched you? 
Because what happened in the Galatian church was some men had come in to the church and began teaching the church that they have to keep the Ten Commandments. Because keeping the law means keeping the Ten Commandments. There is no law without the Ten Commandments. Exodus uh, 34 verse 28 says that the Ten Commandments are the words of the covenant, referring to the covenant of the law. The Ten Commandments are the heart of the old covenant. And so therefore, without uh, there is no covenant without the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were the requirements God gave uh, to Israel to obey. And of course, Israel's part to play was to obey all that the Lord had said. Okay. But of course, as time went on, God added another 603 commandments to that list, totaling 613. And so keeping the law does not mean just keeping 10 commandments. Keeping the law does not, doesn't even mean cherry-picking which commandment you want to keep in order to please God. Keeping the law according to the scripture means keeping all 613 laws that God gave. In fact, Paul said in Galatians 5.3 that if you keep one law, in order to please God, only one. If you keep one law in order to please God, you are obligated to keep the whole law. The whole means every law. And every law tallies up to 613. The Apostle James says in James 2, verse 10 and 11, that if we offend in one point, we're guilty of all. In other words, in the context of his speaking, he's talking about the Ten Commandments. He says, if we break one law by default, you break the whole law. We break all 613 laws. That's why nobody has ever kept the law. In fact, Israel proved beyond a shadow of a doubt, nobody can keep the law. And don't be too hard on Israel. Because none of the kings kept the law as well. None of the prophets kept the law. And yes, none of the apostles. In fact, nobody's ever kept the Ten Commandments. When you understand Ten Commandments is actually the name of all 613 laws. Because Ten Commandments is another name for the law. Romans 7, 7. Paul said, I would not have known sin except the law had said thou shalt not covet. Who said thou shalt not covet? The law. The law and the Ten Commandments are exactly the same thing. And so, Fano, as we, as we finish this video, let me encourage you, nobody has ever kept the Ten Commandments. Nobody has ever kept the law. Despite all the rituals Israel performed, all those hundreds of years, all those centuries they did, trying their best to keep the Ten Commandments, they never, ever did. They never, ever did. Only one person kept the Ten Commandments. Only one person perfectly and completely kept the whole law, and that's Christ. In fact, that's why he said, he, he uttered 
his final words before he dismissed his spirit and laid down his life, his final words were, it is finished. He didn't come to abolish the law, he came to fulfill it. And so for the time he was on earth, right to the cross, he was fulfilling the law even hanging on the cross. The time he was born to the time he laid down his life, he completely and perfectly fulfilled the law. And of course, like I mentioned before, that word until identifies expiry date. Once the law was fulfilled, according to Matthew 5 verse 18, the law shall not pass away until all is fulfilled. And of course, once, once Christ fulfilled the whole law, it passed away. Amen. Okay, any questions, any extra thoughts, just put it down in the comments. And I'm going to see you guys here at 7.30, same time, next Wednesday. Bless you guys. Modi order. Thank you, Lord.